Good evening, everyone. Hopefully, everyone is having a blessed evening as we are. We thank we like to thank the Lord for another day, another day in the land of the living, another chance to get our acts together. And this is a program that we like to call Joy in the Midst of the Storm, where our aim is to dive deeper into the Bible, where you may not be so familiar with, or where you may not have been taught. If I can get my brightness to act right. I'm going to turn the screen oh, doing I wrong. can't see it. And so tonight's topic, as you can see from the title, we'll be talking about leaving Egypt today. And without any further ado, I'd like to pass it on to Minister Tony Banks. Uh, before we move too far, uh, as usual, we'd like to say a quick prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for yet another opportunity to study your word, to dive deeper, to gain a better understanding of who you are and what you require of us, Lord. So we thank you first and foremost, first and foremost Lord, for all that you continuously do for us, Lord. All the things that we don't deserve, but your grace, your mercy, and your, you're just so forgiving, Lord, that we just want to say thank you, Lord. And we're praying for the sick, the shut-in, the afflicted, Lord. There's so much going on in the world today, Lord. There's so many things that are evil in your eyesight, Lord, but yet they're still going on. So we want to pray for all of the sick, the afflicted, the shut-in, Lord. Because you know the things that people are dealing with, Lord. We're seeing on news the the devastation, Lord, the, the mass shootings, just so many things, Lord. So we're praying for the families of those affected, Lord. We're even praying for um, the families of the people who even committed these heinous crimes, Lord. Because we know that even though all these things are going on, you're still in charge, Lord. So we're praying. And we're praying for many blessings in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Um, and as Melvin already said, we're talking about leaving Egypt tonight. And we're going to move to the book of Exodus. I don't know why I didn't have my Bible app up. But we're moving to the book of Exodus, the third chapter. And we'll look at verse 7 and 8. But we'll go back up to, we're going to start back over at 1 and then come all the way back down. Exodus chapter 3 and verse 7. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my, of my people which are in Egypt, and I've heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. Now, when we read a lot of things in the Bible, we automatically, we just think about what these people went through. But all of these scriptures were written for our learning. And these exact scriptures depict what's actually going on today. We all now, uh, most of us who are able to, we have some type of job, some type of means to make a living. And I can just about guarantee that most of us have been afflicted on our job. We may have been uh, attacked when we had not done anything. We may have been victimized. I mean, whatever, however you want to phrase it, I can just about guarantee that most of us has because at the end of the day, 
uh, people are about making a life for themselves, making money. And so when that love of money, he already told us the love of money is the root of all evil. When the love of money is greater than your feelings, people will treat you in a kind of way. Because, again, at the end of the day, people are trying to make money. People are trying to make a living. Even if people already have millions and trillions of dollars, people are still stealing money from other people and they already have millions of dollars. People are still scheming and plotting, trying to get more and more because it's never enough. There's still that void there because they have not put God in that place. And so Egypt, when we look at Egypt, it just represented slavery. Now we know Pharaoh had the children of Israel working on whatever his dream was. Whatever it was that Pharaoh wanted done, they were down there building, going to work, laying bricks, whatever they were doing down there, it was because Pharaoh wanted that to be done. Right now, what we're doing on our jobs is what the boss wants to be done. That's what, whatever he says, he or she says, that's what we do. Even if we feel, man, this don't make no sense whatsoever. Yeah. We still do it because they said do it. And so a lot of times we start crying out because we feel that we're being treated unfairly. That's why we have workers' unions. Because somebody said, man, we're being treated unfairly. Man, they're asking too much. Man, they want too much from me. We're not being treated equally here. That's the whole the whole world right now wants equality. There goes our lights already. Everyone wants equality. But in Egypt, there was no such thing as equality. Right now in the world we live in, there is no such thing as equality. But we all said we want it. That's what people wanted. So God's people are in Egypt in bondage. And he says he heard their cry by reason of their taskmaster. <laughs> we have that right now. If you go to your job, I don't. It does not matter what your job is, especially if you are at a quote unquote lower position at your job. Now that's the way people look at things. God don't look at you any lower. Whether you're a janitor. Uh, whether you wash dishes, it doesn't matter. God does not look at you any lower. But in society's eyes, people look at you lower. And so for those people especially, you have taskmasters. They say, I want you to get this done. And they're waiting, peeking around the corner, looking, waiting to see when is it that you're going to finish so they can tell you what they want you to do next. We have a taskmaster. Same thing the children of Israel had. Same thing we had in slavery. Now, somebody thinks we free. <laughs> and I'm not just talking about black people. I'm not just talking about Jews. I'm talking about all of us as a whole. Somebody thinks we're free, but we're still in bondage because we have people who are over our shoulders who want you to work on their dream, but God has a dream for you. When can we work on our own dream? When can we work on owning our own? That's what God wanted to give us. Uh, go down to verse 8, Melvin. Verse 8. And I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land unto a good land and a large. God said he, 
he's coming down to bring them out of Egypt where they were currently working, where they were currently living. He said, I'm going to bring you from there and take you unto a good land. So they already had a job. Pharaoh was feeding them. He was taking care of them. Is that not the same thing we do with our paycheck now? We take our paycheck to feed us, to get a house. God said, I'm going to take you from that situation and I'm going to move you into a new place. God didn't say, I'm going to send Moses down there. <laughs> he didn't tell Moses, I'm going to send you down there because I want you to talk to the man in charge. Tell Pharaoh he needs to treat my people better. That's not what he said. He didn't say, I want you, I want them to stay down there, but I want you to just take care of them better. Give them a little bit more leeway. I want you to give them more meals. I want you to give them more free time. Give them more spare time. God didn't say that. He said, I want you to go down there and get my people and bring them into their own land. So what he's trying to show us is God wants to give us our own. Keep going. Read, read that again, Mel. Again, and I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land unto a good land and a large, unto a land flowing with milk and honey, unto the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hevites and the Jebusites. God said, go down there. Let them know I want to bring them out of here. And I'm going to take them to a land that flows with milk and honey. Now, milk and honey wasn't just going to be floating through the air. God wasn't going to put the milk in a glass for them. They had to go down there and do the work. God took them from one environment where they were working for Pharaoh and said, I want to put you in a new environment where you can be working for yourself. Because you're working anyway. You're going to have to work. When Adam and Eve sinned, he told them, look, you're going to have to sweat. You're going to have to live and work to live. Because if you don't, we know you can't make a living without working. Unless you're scheming and stealing and doing all kind of things that God doesn't approve of. But so he tells them, he tells Moses here, I'm going to send you down there. And I'm going to take you, take you and the children of Israel to a land that flows with milk and honey, a land that you can call your own, something you can own for yourself. Because down in Egypt, they went owning things. Pharaoh owned the stuff. Sure, he may have put them in a nice little place. Uh, it was not going to be anything compared to what he was living in. And tell, ask yourself, is that the situation we live in today? Where we go to work at, who lives in the best places? The people that are up top. The boss man, the boss lady. They live in the best. They eat the best. They have the nicest clothing. And they're going to send you to do the work that they don't want to do. And you're still going to be looked at as the servant. But God said, I want to bring you out of that mentality to a place that you can own yourselves and that nobody would be looked on as a peasant. 
a servant because everyone can be equal. That's what God wants to do for you. But let, let's go back up to verse 1. Verse 1. Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he, he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. God shows himself. He appears in a bush that was burning, but it never was consumed. It was never destroyed. God did something to get Moses' attention. And what he showed him was a glimpse of hell. Because he told us that we would be burned, but we wouldn't die. We wouldn't be consumed. So if he could do it for that bush, he can do the same thing with us. He gave that bush a body that it would not be consumed. But let's keep going. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Draw not nigh hither. Put off thy shoes from off thy feet. For the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. Mm -hmm. Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father and the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. Mm -hmm. So God introduces himself. He makes it known who he is. And so now this is where God begins to tell him why he called Moses. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt, and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. God says, I called you because I've seen my people struggling. And that's where we are today. So many of God's people are still struggling. Why? Because we're still in Egypt. We're still struggling today, but God wants to free us. But, which we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that later, but some of us, we don't want to let Egypt go. Because even when the children of Israel left Egypt, as soon as they got out, they began to talk to Moses and say, man, which, why did you bring us out here? Why did God bring us out here? To die? We, we would have been better off staying in Egypt. They wanted to stay under the slave mentality, and that's how we are today. A lot of us, we, are, we have gotten so comfortable accepting crumbs. We have gotten so comfortable being mistreated, being neglected, being talked down to. So many things that God does not intend for his people to suffer through. We have gotten comfortable with it. We say, I, I enjoy it. This is all I know. I want to be this way. I remember someone was talking about uh, people who end up in prison. Uh, if they end up in prison for a majority or mainly most of their most or all of their lives, some of those same people get released maybe 30, 40 years down the line. And then all of a sudden, they don't know how to live that life outside of prison, so they do something just so they can go back. Because 
we get so used to suffering. We get so comfortable with it. We say, I just don't think I can leave it. But that's nothing but slave mentality. And God wants to free his people from that. that, that now that's joy in the midst of the storm. God wants, to, God wants to lift you up. He wants to elevate you. He wants to open your understanding, open your eyes, and make you prosperous. This is now you talk about prosperity gospel. God wants to make you prosperous. He and He's gonna tell uh, Joshua this, uh, which we'll get to that. But uh so God says he hears his people crying. He hears their moans, he hears them praying to him, saying, God, we need this, God, we need that. And God wants to give you that. He wants to give you life and that more abundantly. So let's go down to verse 8. And I, am come, and I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land unto a good land and a large, unto a land flowing with milk and honey, unto the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hevites and the Jebusites. Now, if we notice something in this verse, God says he's going to take his children from Egypt where they are doing nothing but working on Pharaoh's dream, working to make Pharaoh rich, making Pharaoh the man. He said, I'm going to take you from here, give you your own land, your own things, a land that flows with milk and honey. I'm going to give you your own honeybees, your own cows, your own cattle, everything you want you can develop that in your own land. But notice, he was going to take the land from the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. He was going to take this land. God was going to get this land from people already occupying it. Now somebody said... <laughs> Somebody said, that's not fair. God ain't right for that. <laughs> but the Bible says the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof, the world, and they that dwell therein. It's all God's. So even if Tony says, oh, this is my car, <laughs> it ain't Tony's car. Tony can say, oh, this is my land, the place, the, the, the home that I have, that's my home. It ain't mine. It all belongs to God. It's all God. So if he decides, I'm going to take that, to, I'm going to take that from you. That's God's. He's done me no wrong. It all belongs to him. So here, God said he's going to take this land from them and give it to his children. Because the Bible says the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just. God is going to take from the sinners, the wicked. He's going to take from those people and give it to his children. He's going to give it to you. He didn't say you're going to have to work for that. He said, I'm going to give you the land. I'm going to give you the things you need. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. If you seek him first, He's going to give you every single thing you need. And seek him with his righteousness. <laughs> For his righteousness. For his righteousness. And not your own righteousness, but we got that part backwards, too. But we get everything backwards. 
but he's going to give you everything we need. So let's move down. Uh, verse 9. Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel is come unto me, and I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. Oppression. He's seen that his people were being oppressed. There is still oppression going on in the world today. Even if you are not in slavery, so to speak, you're still being oppressed somehow today. Somehow. We are not living up to the potential that God wanted for us. Now, you can, <laughs> the way people treat each other today, you cannot tell me that's how God wants us to treat each other. No. <laughs> and especially, and I've seen it a lot. Uh, I've worked many, many different places. I've seen it a lot where people think that we should separate work and the way we treat people so at work I'm supposed to treat you one way but when we leave work all of a sudden now I'm supposed to treat you how you're supposed to be treated <laughs> but I never read that in the scripture I never seen where God said I want you to treat them horribly I want you to punish them when you're working but now as soon as you leave work now you can care about how somebody else feels I've never seen that. What kind of love is that? A part-time love. <laughs> but, so God's still saying he sees that his people are oppressed and he wants to deliver. God is the same God today that he was then. And we say we're the children of God. He still wants to deliver you out of Egypt. Egypt is not, Egypt represents the world. Egypt represents the mindset of the world. Where he was going to take them was the promised land. The promised land represents heaven. And the gap in between, God would, those of us that know the story, God would take them out of Egypt into the wilderness for 40 years. And the wilderness represents the church. The wilderness represents the place where they were to learn God. So we have the world. They were to leave the world, join the church represented by the wilderness, and make it to heaven represented by the promised land. Let's keep going down. Verse 10, Come now therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, now, out of uh, Egypt. Again, he did not say, this is not God's will to come on your job and tell your boss what he need to do. That's not God's will. We have it twisted today. <laughs> we have it twisted today and think God is going to come to our job and tell our boss this is what you need to do. You need to stop talking to them like that. That's not what he wants. God wants to get you out of there and bring you to your own. Bring you to your own job. Your own land. Your own thing. So that you don't have to worry about somebody disrespecting you. Mistreating you. Lying on you. Stealing from you. Manipulating you. You don't have to worry about that. When you come and work for God, he said, go into the vineyard. One place Jesus was uh, using a parable. He said, go into the vineyard and work. 
and that which is right, he was going to pay you. He was going to give it to you. If you come and work for him, I thought about going to the prodigal son because people don't know. He's talking about work. But we, we're not going to get into that. We might get into that a different time. I want to go to the book of Joshua, though. In the book of Joshua, the first chapter. Now, Joshua was Moses' minister. He came underneath Moses. Joshua chapter 1 and verse 1. Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou, and all thou and all this people unto the land which I do give to them, even now, to the children of Israel. Now, I want to notice, or I want to point out the way God operates. In verse 1 it says, Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua. God did not speak unto Joshua to tell him to lead these people until Moses was out of the picture. He waited until Moses was out of the picture and then he starts to really deal with Joshua. But let, let's keep going down. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. Read, read verse 2 again for me. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Now, this is the same thing he told Moses. He told Moses, I'm going to take the children of Israel to a land that flows with milk and honey. So now he tells Joshua, look, cross over Jordan. Now, that's the water. You can't. We cannot go around the water. But he says, cross over the water unto the land that I'm going to give them. And then he says, read verse 3 again. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. Now God here is talking to Joshua. He said, every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you. Notice here, now Joshua is the minister. He's the one in charge of these people here. Somebody think God don't put nobody in charge of them. God put... Joshua in charge and he said wherever the sole of your foot touch not the sole of the people not not the foot of the people not where their foot touch where your foot touches I'm going to give that to you just like I told Moses God don't change Paul said we should all be speaking the same thing God doesn't change your preacher should be speaking the same thing as the next preacher. I should be speaking the same thing. If we all come from God now, but, but we're not getting into that. Let's keep going. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and, as the, and unto the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your coast. He said you're going to get it all, the beach and everything else. You're going to get it all. 
There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all of thy days, all the days of thy life, as I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. If God be for you, who can be against you? They got nothing to worry about because God is on their behalf. He said he was going to give them this. It doesn't matter if somebody occupies it right now. That's what we don't see. We don't see the blessings that God is waiting to bestow upon us. We don't see that. We cannot fully see all that God wants to give us. We're just looking at right now, well, if I can just get out here and do this on my own, I, I, I can make this for myself. But we don't see what God wants to freely give you. And he can give you way more than you can go get of your own. He designed it that way because we are so limited as people, but we still think I can do all this by myself. I see the vision, I'm gonna do it. But is that God's will though? Be strong and of a good courage, for unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Now, he told Joshua he was going to give the land to him to divide for the people. God doesn't change the way he operates. He told Joshua, look, I'm going to give it to you, and I want what I want you to do. <laughs> what I want you to do is to divide the land for the people. He didn't now. Let's go ahead. Let's just go ahead. Only be thou strong and very courageous that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. Now this is prosperity gospel at its finest here. God said, keep my word and you'll prosper. He, I, now I don't find here... <laughs> where he told Joshua to tell the people, look, sow your seed, send in $5, and you'll prosper. No. He said, follow the book. Follow everything I've commanded you to do, and you'll prosper. This is prosperity gospel. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. But thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have, a, have good success. We can have good success if we take heed to what God told the minister here. He said, look, meditate in this book day and night. Follow this book. You'll have success. You'll have prosperity if you follow the book. We don't think, and we don't believe that to be true. We say, ain't no way I'm reading no Bible day and night. I'm not meditating on the Bible day and night. I don't even like reading. <laughs> I can say that because I know I've said that myself. Before, yeah. I, before I truly got in the book, I said, I don't even like reading. So what, <laughs> what would I look? I wasn't trying to hear God saying, meditate in the book day and night, son. I said, God, well, shoot, I don't even like reading. We got so many excuses. But... Our favorite soap opera, we can meditate on that day and night. <laughs> when the football game come on this season, we're going to meditate on that day and night. <laughs> so many things we meditate on, but God's word. But he said he'll give us good success, and God cannot lie. 
if we follow his word. He said, don't turn to the left or the right. Don't make up your own stuff. Don't say, well, I'm a, I know what he said, but I'm going to do it this way because this seems like it makes more sense to me. Uh, verse 9, have not I commanded thee? Be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. Mm -hmm. Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people, saying, Pass through the host and command the people, saying, Prepare you victuals. For within three days ye shall pass over this Jordan to go in, in to possess the land which the Lord your God giveth you to possess it. Now, if... We say we are God's children. And we find God continues to talk over and over and over about giving his children the land, their own things. Why is it that we have not realized that he wants to do the same thing for us? He wants to make you prosperous. He wants to make you successful. If we can do what he's about to tell us, if we can come together, if we can learn how to work together. And that's something we don't want to do. But notice what he's about to tell them here. And to the Reubenites, and to the Gadites, and to half of the tribe of Manasseh spake Joshua, saying, Remember the word which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, The Lord your God hath given you rest, and hath given you this land. Now, what we're going to see here is the Reubenites, the Gadites, and half the tribe of Manasseh, they have already gotten their possession. But there are 12 tribes of Israel. The rest of the tribes have not gotten theirs. So what we see is part, a group of these people, the minority, says we got ours. We're straight. The minority of the tribes of Israel, they have gotten theirs already. But look at what God is going to tell them. Your wives, your little ones, and your cattle shall remain in the land which Moses gave you on this side Jordan. But ye shall pass before your brethren armed, all the mighty men of valor, and help them. You already got yours, but you're going to help your brothers and sisters out here to get theirs. Now, <laughs> now that mindset is foreign today. Because what we say, now we call ourselves children of God. We say, I got mine, and you better go get yours. I'm not, I'm not helping you do nothing. You think I'm going to help you get your stuff? Oh, you, that don't have nothing to do with me. I already got mine. But he's showing us how everyone should work together. Now, these are his people. We, a lot of us are saying we God's people, but we don't want to help each other, though. See, they got theirs. They already got their land. But he says, you're not just going to go home and enjoy your stuff while your brothers and sisters struck. You need to help them. Verse 15, Until the Lord have given your brethren rest, as he hath given you, and they also have possessed the land which the Lord your God giveth them. Then ye shall return unto the land of your possession and enjoy it, which Moses the Lord's servant gave you on this this side, Jordan, toward the sunrise. He said, 
Now, this is how God operates because he wants us to all be equal. He don't want one of them to have everything and the rest of them out there struggling to get it. That's not the way God operates. He said, you're going to help your people, your brothers and sisters. You're going to help them get their possession because you already got yours, but you're going to help them. He said, don't even return back to yours because you're going to get there and get comfortable and say, well, that's it. <laughs> I got tired now. Somebody said, I got too old. People are going to start making up all kinds of excuses for why they can't do what God said do. But he said, you help your brothers and sisters to possess their land, to possess what it is that I want to give them. And only then can you go back and enjoy your own. Because now that's true love. That is true love for me to say, man, it's hard for me to enjoy myself when I know I have my brothers and sisters, people that we fellowship and we go and work, people that I love are still struggling. But if we can get to a point where we say, well, I don't care about them. That's their problem. Ain't got nothing to do with me. Where is the love in that? All of that was the Egypt mindset. But God wants to bring us out of Egypt. There's a song, popular song, uh, This Is Your Exodus. But the true exodus, the true exit, we don't want. The true exit, because we're going to see, which we'll, we'll go pick that up. But after they left Egypt, they wanted to go back. Now, is that not baffling? Is that not mind-boggling that people would rather go back into bondage and slavery? Being treated as nobody. People start to enjoy it after a while. Being treated as nothing. Uh, verse 16, And they answered Joshua, saying, All that thou commandest us, we will do. And whithersoever thou sendest us, we will go. Now, right now, they're saying, look, we don't do it. Everything you commanded us, you talked about keeping the book in our heart, not turning to the left or the right. What he told Joshua, Joshua related to the people. They said, we're going to do it. Ain't that us today? <laughs> We hear the preacher give a good message. We say, yes, sir, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Until we leave the church, until we turn the message off, until we actually get into the situation and we find out we're not going to do it. I want to find a scripture. I didn't uh, jot this scripture down, but I want to find this scripture. Uh, if you'll bear with me just a second. While he's looking for the scripture, I can um, I noticed the comments. Um, thank you, Sister Betty. Amen. Renita says, very true. Amen. Uh, Sister Rosie says, teach. Amen. Amen to you. And Nikki says, hotty toddy. <laughs> I guess you see your old miss shirt on. Thank you for all the comments. Um, trying to remember how the scripture even went to find it. Oh, it's in Exodus. 
Okay. Uh, let's go to Exodus, the 16th chapter. Exodus chapter 16. Uh, I think it's in another place also. Uh, but let's go to, let's start at verse 2. All right, Exodus chapter Exodus chapter 16 and verse 2. The whole congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the children of Israel said unto them, Would to God we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we, when we sat by the flesh pots and when we did eat bread to the full. For ye have brought us forth into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Now, God has brought the children of Israel out of Egypt, they are now making a journey through the promised land. As we see here, Moses is still alive in, in this time that we're in. And so now they begin to be upset because they recognize the life that they, begat, that they became so comfortable with living. Now it ain't the same. So they're like, man, why would God bring us out here to die? He could have just let us die in Egypt. But in Egypt, we had <laughs> in Egypt, we had meat to eat and we had bread to eat. Everything we wanted was right there. At least we were eating good. <laughs> so some of us become so comfortable with the situation we're in because we say, well, I got money to go get me a meal if I want it. I can go get me a Wendy's burger. But God wants to give us so much more than that. So much more than what it is we're scuffling for, trying to make ends meet. But they found themselves wanting to go back. And it happens again, uh, but I, I didn't figure out where they were before time. But the same thing happens again. But look at what happens in verse 4. Then said the Lord unto Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain rate every day, that I may prove them whether they will walk in my law or no. Now, they wanted food, and God already told them he was going to give them. He, told, he already told them, I'm going to take you to a land that flows with milk and honey. If they were going to have milk, that was going to be mean meat also. But so here he said, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to give you this food. I'm going to give you what it is you need. But the way I want you to do it, he said, I want them to go out and only get a certain amount of food each day to prove to them whether they believe me or not, whether they're going to follow what I say. See, God operates differently. He doesn't operate the way the rest of society operates. God could have easily said, I'm going to give them food and I want them to stock up. I want them to put up so much food they have enough from now to next year. But he didn't say that. He said, I'm going to give them, I'm going to bless them with stuff, but I only want them to take what they need. What they need, because when they need it again, 
I'm gonna bless him again. Only take a certain rate. But when the children began to look at it, some of them, I remember some of them started to take more than God told them to take, so God caused it to spoil. See, when we don't listen to God, he causes a lot of stuff to happen that had we just listened, everything would have been okay. But because we don't know where the blessing is coming from, we don't know how God wants to help us, how God wants to take care of us, we try to do things on our own, and it doesn't go well. But that mindset is the mindset of Egypt, the mindset of the world. God wants to give us so much more. He said he would pour out a blessing you wouldn't even have room to receive. Now, that's a good problem to have is to have so much stuff coming in that you don't even have room for it. Now, who can honestly say right now, man, God's pouring so much on me, boy, I don't even have room to keep it all. I need you to come over here and get some of this because God gave me too much. Who can say that right now? Who can be honest with themselves and say that's happened? So if that has not happened, is God a liar? Is, is God slack concerning his promise? Or have we not put ourselves in the position so that God can bless us, so that God can take us out of Egypt and give us our own and give us more than what we ever thought we wanted? Did uh, somebody say something? I want to acknowledge the comments. Uh, Vanessa says, thank you for the word. Thank you for being interested. Thank you and for interaction. Definitely. And um, Barbara says, amen, amen to you. And Dominic says, praise him, brothers, amen. Praise the Lord always. The Rejoice Lord, in everybody. the Lord always. Thank you guys for being interested because um, you're definitely in the minority if you're trying to hear the word of God. So definitely, definitely appreciate it. We appreciate the interactions. And um, if anybody has any questions, feel free to ask them anytime. Anytime about any topic. It doesn't have to be related to this. Anytime. Uh, Renita says we must position ourselves. We definitely do. Yes. Definitely. Yes. We are stopping ourselves from receiving the blessings from God. It's us. He is waiting on us to get in position. He already said it. He said, in my father's house, there are many mansions. It's already prepared. Everything is prepared. Again, is he said... The wealth of the sinner is laid up. It's already there. He didn't say the wealth has to be made. It's already there. It's laying there, waiting for us to get in position so he can give it. Let's flip over to chapter 17. Verse 1. Mm -hmm. uh, Exodus chapter 17 and verse 1. And all the congregation of the children of Israel journeyed from the wilderness of sin after their journeys according to the commandment of the Lord and pitched in Rephidim. And there was no water for the people to drink. Again, God's people found themselves not having something they needed. But we're dealing with God's people. God was going to make a way. He wasn't going to let them starve to death out there, uh, be dehydrated to death. He was not going to do that. But so God caused them to not have any water. Mm -hmm. 
Let's see, we have a question. Go uh, ahead. Kiana, if I'm pronouncing that right, if I'm pronouncing it wrong, I'm sorry. But she has a question. Um, they said, do we help everybody, even the people that may stop us from progressing? That's a very good question. The way God wants us to operate, if we truly get ourselves in the position, we can help. Now, there's it's impossible for us to literally do something for every single person in the world. Now, that'd be impossible. But what was the second part of that question? Even, Even the, the people, people that, that may stop, stop us from progressing. Oh, we have to help those people. Now, this is what separates a Christian from just a good person. Because now it's easy for me to help somebody that's helping me. And in fact, he said that. He said, look, look, even the sinner, they can help somebody that helps them because we're looking for something in return. But how can I help somebody that I know has nothing for me? That's the reason people don't like to help homeless people because we say, well, I'm not saying nobody does that. Don't get me wrong. But it's so much easier. Look at rich people. Look at how much people give to somebody already rich. The rich get richer and the poor get poorer because the rich, they continuously getting stuff. I mean, if you just look at some of the lives of uh, basketball players or, or whoever's famous, look at how much, how many gifts they get. So many people send them gifts. But why? Because they're Somebody hoping, <laughs> they're hoping, man, this person might feel charitable one day. They may give back to me. Uh, I want them to be the face of my business. I want them to be uh, the face of this new campaign we're running. <laughs> so many <That's> so people, <laughs> so many people want to give to somebody who can give them something back in the long run. But now... When we see people who can't, we look at them and say, well, they can't do nothing for me. I ain't, gonna, I ain't trying to fool with them. Uh, I just <laughs> want to add one. It was a story one time where, and this guy, he, he had a lot of money, and he did a test just to see. Um, one time he got on the bus, and he was dressed as a homeless person, and he talked to the bus driver, and he said, I've, I've left my wallet at home. Is it all right if I just ride? And he didn't have that far to go. I don't remember where it was. And the bus driver told him to beat it, to get out. Hmm. The next day, he went dressed in you know a certain tie, looked like he had actually had money. And I believe it was that same bus driver. And the bus driver gave him the ride for free when he said he left his wallet at home. Hmm. Why is that? Why not help out the person that you know seems to be in need? But you, based on his appearance, he he looked like he had money. Probably got a private jet at home, a night, a Lamborghini in the yard. They could take him, but he helped the person because he thinks that the person maybe when he got his wallet when he got back home, he would give the bus driver something. Might that, give him a tip. Yeah, that's what <laughs> that's what we look at. We look at things that we could get in return, and it talks about that too in Matthew somewhere. Um, if we get our reward from man, there will be none from God. That's what we have to look for our reward from, from God. And that's why we have to help everybody. Love them that persecute you. Pray for those that hate you. Love your enemies. Lay down your lives for your friends. That's what it takes to be a true Christian follower. 
Mm-hmm. We all say that we're true Christian followers, but we don't want to keep the ways of Jesus. We always have the mindset to get even with somebody. Like, oh no, I can't let that slide, man. You stepped on my shoe. I just got these shoes. <laughs> we want to fight them. Let somebody talk about our haircuts. I know we guys get sensitive about that. <laughs> let us talk about our haircuts. But if we take a look at the way that Jesus handled things, he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And what they did to him was way worse than what anybody could do to us today. Yet we want to get even instead of praying for those, instead of wishing ill on them, wishing evil towards them. Pray that they find God. But you can go ahead. Oh, no, you, you go ahead. Say what you got to say. <laughs> but we just have to keep the ways of Jesus. You go ahead. I was... I thought about it, and that was a very good question, uh, Kiana. <laughs> I hope I'm saying that right. Please forgive yeah, me. I'm pretty I'm sure uh, that's my classmate's sister. Uh, but definitely thank all of you for commenting, asking questions, and uh, even just saying things. Renita says, pray for those that spitefully use you. Yes. Amen. Amen. Uh, we definitely appreciate you guys. All right, hold on. We have another question from Kiana. How do you continue to help people that constantly hurt you? How about the people that mistreated you and talk about you but still need your help? We need to go to the book of Luke. Let's go to the book of Luke. Good questions. Let's go to the book of Luke. But that's the duty. Now, that's what separates a Christian from everybody else. Because, and I'm not trying to pick on anybody's religion, but... other people out there it's so easy for us to love somebody that already loves us back that's easy but God wants to put us we talked about it last week God wants to put us in a situation that's not comfortable for us see that's uncomfortable when you know somebody's been lying on you when you know somebody's been talking about you when you know they've done everything they've cheated on you they've mistreated you neglected you when we know Somebody has done all of those things. Now, that's hard to say, man, I'm still going to treat them the way God wants me to treat them. I'm still going to treat them with love and compassion. Now, that's hard. But it is possible. Because look at Jesus himself. Now, Jesus knew all things. And he knew the same people he came to would reject him. The same people would eventually kill him. But look at he look at what he still did. He still went to, to the cross and said, Father, forgive him. As they spit on him. I mean, he is in the moment. As they spit on him, as they mocked him, as they laughed at him. He says, still forgive them. You know what he, you know, we would do, we, we might get mad at first and then later on, you know, change mm-hmm. because we be in the heat of the moment and then we mm-hmm. get mad and then later on say, man, I got, I shouldn't have got mad. I'm sorry, Lord. Please forgive him. But Jesus, like Tony said, was in the moment that saying, Lord, forgive them. How are you going to say, Lord, forgive them and people spit on you? That's all. We've talked about that before. Um, people spitting on you. That's a low, low right there. Low, 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 low. And people, man, but Jesus said, forgive them. But I want to make sure I answer that question. How do you continue to help people? Yep. Let's look at uh, Luke, the sixth chapter. 
And let's start at verse 31. Uh, but we, we're, we're answering that question. But I want to look at these scriptures to help answer that question there. Back up. Everything we say with scriptures. But um, Luke chapter 6 and verse 31. And, and as ye would that men should do to you, do ye also to them likewise. Mm-hmm. For if ye love them which love you, what thank have ye? For sinners also love those that love them. Now Jesus here is going to straighten out some things because there's a lot of Christians that need to hear this. Now there's some people that say, I don't believe in God. I don't want to have nothing to do with it. That's fine. You don't have to. But as Christians... We need to follow what Jesus told us to follow if we want to be true Christians. So, uh, let's see, we have another question. Uh, Vanessa says, well, what do you do when it's someone, lo- do you mean when it's someone you love? And we'll we'll get to that one. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to that one, but ask again. So, I don't know if there's a type over or what. Uh, but, so here, he says, what good is it if you only loving somebody that loves you back? This is what takes Christianity to the next level. But again, you cannot look at everybody who claims Christianity out there because they're not exemplifying this. So we're not talking about though. We're talking about the true Christian now. Because there are some true ones out there. So he said, what good is that? Because you love somebody back who already love you. That's easy. And if you do good to them which do good to you, what thank have you? For sinners also do even the same. What's good is that? God's holding us to a higher level. What's good is that if you can do good to somebody that's doing good to you? Look, somebody don't even believe in God can do that. You got a lot of atheists, agnostic people that are nice. They'll love somebody that loves them. God's saying... And it's not saying don't love them. It's saying, you know, don't only love them. Yeah. Just clear that. Jesus is saying here... Even the sinners do. Even the people that don't believe in me can do that. You're supposed to love not only the ones that love you, but even the ones that don't. That's what he's called us to. He said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. If you love him. Go ahead, Mel. And if ye lend to them of whom ye hope to receive, what thank have ye? For sinners also lend to sinners to receive as much again. That's what we were talking about earlier. People will give gifts to people that already got everything because they hoping deep down, even subconsciously, they're hoping that, shoot, one day they're going to get me back. And even if they don't, they'll approach me and say, man, you remember that time I gave you this? <laughs> <laughs> you, you remember what I did for you, right? That's our mentality. That's our mentality. But he said, I don't want you to have that Egypt mentality no longer. That's the mindset of the world. I've called you into the newness of life. I've called you to have life and life more abundantly. I've called you to have true love because that's true love. It is true love for you to be able to love somebody who don't even care about you. Somebody said, I'm not going to love somebody I don't know. (laughs) That's what somebody told me one time. But that's true love. It should not be predicated. My love should not be predicated on what this person has done for me. That's not true love. Verse 35. 
But love ye your enemies, and do good, and lend, hoping for nothing again, and your reward shall be great, and ye shall be the children of the highest, for he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. Now that's how God is to us. He is kind to even those who aren't thankful. Now, if we can, and I know we can't, but I want you to think about this. Put yourself in God's position. Think about it from the way God thinks about it. You are this God, all-powerful, all-knowing. You tell your people, you tell the whole world, you say, I want you to live this certain way. And you already know because you stood in the beginning and declared the end. You know what's going to happen in the future. You already know they're going to reject you. You know they're going to say, man, curse God. I don't care about him. I don't even think he's real. You know they're going to say this. Some people say, I believe he's real, but I ain't going to do what he said. That's crazy. I am not doing that stuff. So some people believe whatever side you believe. But God has the ability to kill us all. Yeah. He has the ability to wipe us all out. And he still chooses to give us opportunities. Knowing what we're going to choose. <laughs> we still wasting. What love is that? What love is that? What matter of love is that? To know what someone is going to do. Know they're going to do opposite of what you want them to do. And still choose to give them that opportunity. That's love. To give somebody the choice. That's love. But he says, if you do this, if you love your enemies. You ask, how can we do this? He said, if you love your enemies, he said, your reward will be great. He's going to give you good success prosperity in this life and not only this life but the next one to come god is going to reward you he said in the book of revelation he said behold i come quickly and my reward is with me to pay every man according as his work shall be god is going to repay you for what you've done but i mean he adds Blessings upon blessings. In this life, you'll be blessed. There's some things right now some of us would love to have. There's some things we've been praying for for a long time. And we, some of us, we're holding ourselves back. If we would just line up and follow God's plan, he'll give us some of those same things we've been praying about for so long. But again, some of, some of the time, he's waiting for us to get in position. Because it's already there. The blessings are already there. But we have to have that love for our enemies because that's what Christianity is about. Yep. He rains blessings on the just and the unjust, the sinner and the righteous, knowing what knowing people are going to disrespect him, reject him. Man, I <laughs> that's some powerful love there. Um, Nessa says her uh, phone was messing up. Um, but we were talking about your question. Um, it says, well, what do you do when it's someone, do you mean, what do you do when it's someone you love? And Kiana, um, hopefully we answered your question. If not, uh, ask again. My question is, I'm in love with someone, but when it comes down to God, we don't always see eye to eye. What do I do? 
Well, the one thing, the only thing that you can do first and foremost in a scenario like that is to first see God what it is that he wants you to do with yourself first. That That's first and foremost. But after that, you can only pray for the person uh, who you are saying you were uh, in love with uh, because... <clears throat> God is not a God of force. God is not going to force someone to follow him. He's not going to do that. He's going to give them the opportunity. So what we should be doing is letting our light so shine. So you should be living your life according to what God said do in hopes that the person you're talking about will say, man, it's something different about you. That makes me want to be better. So, you know what? Now I'm willing to come to church with you. Now I'm willing to pray with you, to read with you, to see God with you because I see something (laughs) in the way you live. I mean, Kiana says you guys gave me the answer I needed, not the answer I wanted. (laughs) Well, Kiana, I'm going to tell you this now. (laughs) If you stick with it, that's the answer you're always going to get. Because I'm not going to sugarcoat it. We're not going to sugarcoat it because God gave, God God wants his word to go forth. And the message that's broadly promoted today is a message of, man, you do whatever you want to do. God's okay with it. God knows your heart. (laughs) Not true. It's not true. But so... There is a reward to doing everything God said do. So you may look at it. Somebody may say you crazy. You crazy for loving somebody, for caring about somebody who uh, is doing you wrong. You're crazy for loving your enemies. Man, That you know what that person did to your family? You should never say you forgive them. But God said if you don't forgive them, he's not going to forgive you. And I hear that saying so much every day. I'm never going to forgive them for mm-hmm. what they did. I hear it all the time. Mm-hmm. But that is weight off of your shoulders. If you can learn to forgive somebody, man, you'll feel so much better. Just a weight. Man, people hold grudges for so long. And that hurts them more than what the person even did to them in the first place. They just let go and let God. They'll get their reward, whether it's good or bad. Because revenge shouldn't be on you anyway. So just forgive them. Talks about that too. It was asked, how many times should I forgive? See, Jesus already knows what we're going to ask. Everything that we can ask can be accounted for in the scripture somewhere. All the answers are in there. All the answers. But, you know, we as people, as I've said before, the only thing we think the Bible is talking about is heaven. Heaven, heaven, how to get there, how gold the streets are going to be, how nice it is. But no, it talks about our daily lives, every day. Every situation that we could possibly ever find ourselves in has happened before. There's nothing new under the sun. The devil doesn't have any new tricks. Whatever he's doing to you or to me or to Tony, he's already done. Mm -hmm. And it can definitely be found in the Bible. But, you know, we don't always take out the time to read it. People don't think about it, but heaven starts on earth. Even in Genesis... 
chapter 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He created heaven and earth. They, the two have always been connected because heaven starts on earth. If you don't want to do what God said do now, you think he's going to take you to heaven and you're going to be contrary there too? It's like, well, God, you know I ain't used to doing this. I didn't do this when I was down there on earth. We saw what happened to the person <laughs> trying to be contrary in heaven. <laughs> so heaven starts here. You start to make the change here. Now, Renita says we must account for the things we have done on earth. Exactly. That's true. Mm -hmm. So definitely, um, if you guys have more questions, definitely continue to ask because we appreciate the opportunity to answer your questions. And we thank you for uh, just looking in the scriptures with us. And we hope you guys continue to stay open to hearing uh, the truth. Um, Looks like we have a, I'm sorry to cut you off, but it looks like we have a great question. Vanessa says, I'm having a hard time in reading my Bible and studying the Word because I don't know where to start, as many people do. So what should I do? Well, now, it's going to be extremely hard, and to be honest, it's going to be impossible for any of us to just sit down and read the Bible and know exactly what's going on. That's going to be impossible because God made this thing. Lights. <laughs> Lights went out. They're motion sensitive. Yeah. God made this thing so that we would need each other to help understand the scriptures. Let's, let's go to the book of Acts first. Uh, I'm going to go to the book of Acts first. Uh, the ninth chapter. That's a good question. The eighth chapter, actually. Eighth chapter. Because I, I want to show first that you're not the only one who does not understand. We need help to understand the scriptures. Uh, Acts the eighth chapter in verse 26. And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise, and go toward the south, unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, an eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure, and had come to Jerusalem for to worship, now, was returning. Here we have Philip, who was a deacon. He was a part of the church in Jerusalem before Saul, who later becomes Paul, that writes most of the New Testament, Saul goes down there and kills Stephen, and now the church is spread out. So that's why we have Philip going down here, and he sees this Ethiopian man, African man. He sees him. And now they tell us who this man is. He was under the authority of Candace, who was the queen, and he was in charge of all the treasure. He was the treasurer. The man, now, we know if they put him in charge of the money, this was an intelligent man. Nobody's going to give their money to a dummy. Hmm. So he had to be pretty intelligent here. All right. So Candace was returning. 
and sitting, in verse 28, and sitting in his chariot read Isaiah the prophet. Then the spirit said unto Philip, go near and join thyself to this chariot. So now the Ethiopian man is reading the scriptures. Now that, that's what your question was about, talking about reading the scriptures. So this Ethiopian man who is obviously he's intelligent, he was in charge of all the money. Now this is the queen. He's in charge of the queen's money. So this Ethiopian is reading Isaiah. That's what Isaiah is. He's reading Isaiah. So Philip goes in and joins the Ethiopian man. And Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? Now Philip asked him, did he understand what he read? He asked him, did he understand what he read? Because that's, a, that's the reason a lot of people stray away from the Bible because they said, I just can't understand it. I don't know what it's talking about. So Philip asked this man, do you understand what you read? Now, again, this, wasn't a, this was not an ignorant person. This was somebody who was smart, educated. He knew his way around money, so he had to be educated, especially to do this for the queen. They're not going to put somebody in charge who's not equipped for the job. And he said, how can I, except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. And Stanrick says, keep it up, fellas. Got to go. Thank, right, thank you for joining us. Thanks for joining, Stan. But again, and he said, how can I, except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. Now, he says something here that is crucial to helping us understand the Bible. He said, how can I, except somebody guide me? How can I truly understand unless somebody helps me? And that's what we need. So we have to read. We have to study. But we need someone to guide us, someone to help us. That's what Jesus did for the 12. He guided them. He helped them. He opened their eyes to scriptures. He opened their understanding. And then notice he told the 12 to go out then and make disciples. They need to go out and guide somebody else. So we need that guidance, first and foremost. But on top of that, then it's upon ourselves to go and study ourselves, to ask questions, which is what you guys have been doing, uh, Vanessa. So, but I want to uh, answer your question this way also. If you have not read uh, any of the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, you should definitely read one of those. Uh, John is a little bit more on the difficult side, but um, definitely read one of the four Gospels. And after that, you should move to the book of Acts. Uh, let's go to the book of Acts, Mel. We here. What chapter? <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, we are here. <laughs> chapter 2. You should move to the book of Acts after reading one of the four Gospels um, because they're all pretty much going to say uh, similar things, uh, similar aspects of Jesus' life. So uh, I would encourage you to read Matthew, Mark, or Luke uh, and then move to the book of Acts because Acts is nothing but the actions of the apostles so the actions of the people that Jesus chose 
to bring us the Bible, to bring us the New Testament. So after we have an understanding of what Jesus did, now we go to the book of Acts to see how church should be run. Because why should we go to church if we don't follow the path that Jesus laid for us? So we'll see how they followed Jesus. Because what do we all want? Salvation. At the end of the day, we want to be saved. So let's go to the book of Acts, the second chapter, and verse 36. We're going to see here Peter's talking. Now, we know Jesus chose Peter uh, to be the leader. Uh, if you've ever done any reading, Peter is always the one out front, always the one standing up, telling what needs to be heard. So Jesus chooses Peter, and now Jesus is already. Just says, okay, I've read, I've already read those four books, which they are my favorite books. Good, good, good. So now we're in the book of Acts. I'm glad you read those books. So now that we made it to the book of Acts, now what does God want us to do? So read verse 36 for us, man. Acts chapter 2 and verse 36. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. So Peter here is now talking to the Jews and telling them, look, y'all have killed Jesus, but God ordained him to be in the position that he was in. God did that. All right. Now, when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Now, this is the position that we find all ourselves in right now. We have done wrong. That's what these Jews did. They had done wrong. And they asked the apostles, people that seen Jesus. They said, what should we do? What did Jesus tell y'all that we should do? That's all they asking. What is it that we need to do? See, once our heart is pricked, once we feel bad for our wrongs, we say, what do I need to do to get right with God? What do I need to do? Verse 38 is what Peter tells them they need to do, and that's what we all need to do. Verse 38, Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. This is the beginning of the New Testament church. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. This is the beginning. This is the beginning to read through the book of Acts and see what it is that Peter told these people who were going to be converted to do. So us being Christians, we must read this and ask ourselves, have I made a change? Have I repented? Have I been baptized in Jesus' name? And have I received the Holy Ghost? And then on top of that, if we don't know the answers to those, we must go back and check. We must say, hold on, how do I even know if I have the Holy Ghost? How, how do I know? How do I know I've been baptized in Jesus' name? We have to go back and do some digging in our past because there are people who have not been baptized in Jesus' name, but they've been baptized. Again, there are people who have been baptized in the church and have not been baptized in Jesus' name. 
But Peter here, and I'll trust Peter over anybody's preacher any day. Today that argues with being baptized in Jesus' name, I'll trust what Peter said any day. Because Peter has seen Jesus. Tony never talked to Jesus face to face. And your preacher at uh, New Bethel, Mount Zion, Mount Ararat, it don't matter what the preacher said, he hadn't talked to Jesus in the flesh the way Peter did. And so if anybody says you should, you don't have to be baptized in Jesus' name, they argue with the very scriptures. Uh, Vanessa says, which is the difference? So I'm guessing the, the difference different, between, ways, different ways of being baptized. So there's a lot of ways that people baptize today. Um, so if you are from, uh, let's say, a Catholic background or um, a Methodist background, or which there are others, but those two, for sure, they sprinkle. So you have some people that'll take some water. Uh, if you ever seen, they'll do it for babies and they do it for grown people as well. But they'll take water um, and they'll touch it, rub it over their head and say, you've been baptized. That is not what is scriptural. Uh, let's go to the book of Luke. Luke. Chapter three. And what chapter? Uh chapter three, I think I won't. Hold on, let me make sure. I'm sorry, that's Matthew three. I'm sorry. Yeah. So, first off, baptism has to be, it has to be, if you want God to have respect for it, has to be fully immersed. It has to be fully down in the water. People have said we can sprinkle. God never said that. Jesus is the way. See what Jesus did and see how he did it. Matthew chapter 3, verse 16. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water. That's all we need to see. You read that again? And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water. When Jesus got baptized, the Bible says he went up straightway out of the water. That means he had to get taken down under for him to come up out of the water. He had to get taken under. Uh, if that's not enough, we can go back to Acts the ninth chapter. Somebody said that ain't enough. I mean the 8th chapter, I'm sorry, I keep saying night. Go back to Acts the 8th chapter, we'll see the same thing in there. So if you guys remember, for anybody who has been with us long enough, Philip went down there talking to the Ethiopian. The man began to preach Jesus to him. <laughs> Let's go to verse 35. See, we can't separate somebody. There's so many people that believe we don't have to be baptized in Jesus' name. But look at Acts the 8th chapter. Verse 35. Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. Man preached Jesus. You can't preach Jesus without the baptism. Look at verse 36. And as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? The scripture don't tell us anything about them talking about baptism. It just says Jesus. It just said he preached Jesus to him. <laughs> 
with your eyes be come over to these scriptures. Glory to God. Philip went down and preached Jesus, and that's what I'm trying to preach to you right now. I'm preaching Jesus to you because you cannot separate the gospel of Jesus Christ without being baptized in Jesus' name. So he preached Jesus to him, and the man says, the Ethiopian said to Philip, look, man, there's some water right there. What's stopping me from being baptized? The man wanted his sins washed away. That's what Acts 2.38 told us. Being baptized is for your sins to be removed. Your sins to be washed away. That's what baptism is for. The, the Acts 2.38 plainly tells us that. That one doesn't take any interpretation. Plainly tells us. But somebody today, somebody preacher been telling them, oh, that's just, <laughs> baptism is an outward sign. Ain't, it don't mean nothing. You don't have to do it. Are somebody you? said baptism is foolish. <laughs> you try to get into heaven and your sins ain't been forgiven yet. It's not going to work. But he said, look, there's some water. What's stopping me from getting baptized? All right. And Philip said, if thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. Mm -hmm. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Believe? Uh-huh. And he commanded the chariot to stand still. And they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And they both went down into the water. They went into the water, and he baptized the man underneath the water. Uh, and Vanessa says, and 39 finishes it off. I'm guessing she's talking about Acts chapter 2 and verse 39 or Acts chapter 8 and verse 39. Probably 2, 39. 39 saying, a lot of people say that we don't, I'll put it like this, a lot of people say that baptism is just invented by men and that that's something that they had, had to do back there and that we don't have to do it today. But um, Acts chapter 2 and verse 39 tells us who all is for. For you, your children, and whoever so far off that the Lord our God shall call. So if that is the... Oh, she said the one that we're reading. So Acts chapter 8, verse 39. Let me go back over there. Yeah, I went back to 2. 2 and 39 is important too. But um, Acts chapter 8 and 39. And when they were come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord called away Philip, that the eunuch saw him no more. And he went on his way rejoicing. Exactly. So we see baptism is fully in the water. Philip got in the water with the eunuch, and then Philip took the eunuch down underneath the water. So we see baptism, the way they did in Scripture, had to be full immersion. No such thing as uh, sprinkling according to God. No such thing. He's not allowing it. We can do it all day, but he's not allowing that. So then we say, well, what should they say? Acts 2.38, we already read it. But he said, be baptized in the name of Jesus. Yep. So if the preacher does not say, I baptize you in the name of Jesus, or I baptize you in the name of the Lord Jesus, or I baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ, if he does not say Jesus, if he does not call on the name, it's not, it's not valid. You have to go back and do it again. Somebody say, well... Do I need to be rebaptized? Yes, God answers all these questions. Go to Acts 19, chapter. Every single question. He answers all these questions already. Paul yep. is going to come. Paul is going to find some disciples. People already admitted they believe in Jesus Christ. People already admitted 
Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, but they weren't baptized though. They weren't baptized in Jesus' name. They were baptized by John the Baptist, but he was not baptized in Jesus' name. So let's, let's look at that. Uh, verse 1, And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus and finding certain disciples. Paul finds some disciples. Now we're talking about a person that is an apostle, wrote most of the New Testament. This man found some disciples. And let's see what he asked them. He said unto them, Have ye received the Holy Ghost since ye believed? And they said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. That's the question I'm asking you right now. Did you receive the Holy Ghost? Yeah, you believe in Jesus Christ, but did you receive the Holy Ghost? Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe? Sure, you believe. We're not arguing about that, but did you get the Holy Ghost? So now these people said, hold on, we never even heard of it. But now if it were the way that a lot of people are teaching, Paul should have said, oh, you already got it because <laughs> you believe. So once you believe, you automatically got it. That ain't true. Somebody said, once you believe that Jesus Christ is your personal Lord and Savior, you got the Holy Ghost. That ain't true. Not true. Read on down, please. Verse 3, And he said unto them, Until what then were ye baptized? They said, We never even heard of the Holy Ghost. He said, Hold on now. Who baptized you? Who, 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 what preacher y'all been talking to? Who baptized y'all? Who baptized you? I got to ask about y'all baptism. Because if, if you ain't never even heard of the Holy Ghost, then who baptized you? Because they should have made sure you got the Holy Ghost then. If they knew what they were doing. He said, Who baptized you? And they said unto John's baptism. John the Baptist baptized him. Same one that baptized Jesus. Mm -hmm. Then it said Paul, John barely baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is, on, G on Christ Jesus. Paul basically told them that John the Baptist, he didn't baptize in Jesus' name. Look at verse 5. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Folks got rebaptized. Now, if you tell me baptism is not that important, why would they get rebaptized? They already believe in Jesus Christ. Why would somebody who wrote most of the New Testament, why he be so focused on baptism? Somebody, so people say so many things they don't know what they're talking about. Father, forgive them for they know not what they're talking about. Why would Paul be so focused on their baptism? Because people will tell you now, they say, man, I'm already saved. Don't be talking to me about baptism. That ain't even that important. It don't matter how we get baptized, whether I sprinkle, whether I get baptized in Father, Son, Holy Ghost, whether I get baptized in cat, dog, it don't matter. <laughs> people are so fast and have not studied the scriptures. Jesus says, search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life. You think you saved, but you hadn't searched the scriptures and found out you truly not saved. And somebody has to make you aware of this. So when they heard that they had not been baptized correctly, they got rebaptized. And notice what name they got baptized in, the name of the Lord Jesus. The same one Peter. Peter said, repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. 
every single one of you. Paul came and started preaching the same gospel. He didn't change his gospel. Peter and Paul preached the same gospel. All the rest of the apostles, the same gospel. And now, verse 6. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied. Now, he prayed for them that they would receive the Holy Ghost. Now, these people already were believers and still didn't have the Holy Ghost. So ask yourself today, do you know without a shadow of doubt that you have the Holy Ghost? Because right here, the scriptures declare that you can believe and not even have the Holy Ghost. And if you don't think that is enough, we can go again to the scripture. This is written so many times <laughs> because God has to tell us so many times for us to listen. <laughs> we can see the same thing again. In the mouth of two or three witnesses let every word be established. We can see it again in the scriptures that just because you say you believe does not mean you have the Holy Ghost. Just because you got baptized does not mean you have the Holy Ghost. So, uh, Vanessa, if you're still with us, you are asking where should you go? This is it. This is the way of holiness. This is what God is asking us to do. First and foremost, check ourselves. I had to go back and look at Tony and say, hold on, have I done what he said? Did I make sure I was baptized in Jesus' name? Did I make sure I had the Holy Ghost before I continue to move on? So this is definitely the beginning. This is the first thing that Peter told them after he preached to them. He said, they said, what should we do, Peter? He said, repent. He said, get baptized in Jesus' name, get the Holy Ghost. We find Paul. First thing he tells them, uh, Vanessa says, well, how do you know that you have the Holy Ghost? What a great question. I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> <laughs> what a great question. Read verse 6 again for us, Mel. Uh, verse 6. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied. Read verse 6 again, Mel. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied. If you ever heard of speaking in tongues, that's what it's for. It's a sign. As the Spirit gave them utterance. It is nothing but an indicator that God has filled you with the Holy Ghost. That's all it is. Paul laid his hands on them, prayed for them, and when they received the Holy Ghost, they spoke in tongues. But now, the reason Paul knew this was because the same thing happened to him. When he got it, he yep. spoke in tongue. Let's go back to Acts chapter 2. Let's go back to the very beginning to see if the scriptures will be congruent, if they would continue to flow, if they would continue to say the same thing. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. Acts chapter 2 and 1. Oh, Acts chapter 1. Let's go to Acts chapter 1. See, Jesus told his disciples to do this. He told them to go and wait for the Holy Ghost. So let's go to uh, chapter 1 and uh, start at verse 4. Okay. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, okay. which saith ye have heard of me. 
uh, Vanessa said something else. Oh, Vanessa says, okay then, that happened to me, but I thought something was wrong. No, glory to God, that's a good thing that happened to you. That is what God does. That's the sign that he gives us. What you had, what you experienced was something that these people, this connects you to the experience that the very people that seen Jesus had. Is that not incredible? They experienced this over 2,000 years ago. And God is the same today as he was yesterday. And even before time was created, God still is saved. So again, verse 4, And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. But follow along with us, Vanessa, so we can try to show you that he said this was going to happen. So he told them to go and wait for the Holy Ghost. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. Jesus himself, now it's Jesus talking. He said, you're going to be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. Look, y'all got baptized with water already, but now you're going to get the Holy Ghost. Same two things, water and the Holy Ghost. Water and spirit, same two things that we've been dealing with. Same two things Paul went down there asked him about. Have you got the Holy Ghost? They said, no. He said, hold on. You got the water then? Same two. Same two. Now, verse 6. When they therefore were come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, would thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? Um, let's let's um, skip over. Uh, let's drop down to verse 13. So he, he's telling them, hey, you're going to receive the Holy Ghost soon. Not many days from now, you're going to receive the Holy Ghost. I just want to show in 13 who he was talking to in verse 13. And when they were come in, they went up into an upper room where abode both Peter and James and John and Andrew, Philip and Thomas and Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus and Simon Zelotes and Judas, the brother of James. The 12. Well, 11, because Judas uh, Iscariot had uh, hung himself. So Jesus talking to his 11, and then he also tells us in verse 14, it was Jesus' own mother there. Uh, go ahead and read 14 while we're here. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. Mm-hmm. And in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and said, the number of names together were about 120. It was 120 people there to wait for the Holy Ghost. If Jesus' mother had to speak in tongues, I don't know why we think we don't have to do it. He required his own mother to wait for the Holy Ghost. So then we, we skip over to chapter 2. This is the day that the Holy Ghost will come. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Mm -hmm. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. Mm -hmm. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. They received the Holy Ghost, and a sound happened. And that sound was speaking in tongues. Read, read the next verse. Verse 4. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. The Holy Ghost gave them the ability to do that. So what you did was because the Spirit gave you that sound. 
When you receive the Holy Ghost, the Spirit did that for you. So that is how we know if we receive the Holy Ghost, if we receive it the same way they did all throughout Scripture. We can go to other places. It happens so many times. All throughout Scripture. But for those who have not had the experience, a lot of those people will fight it and say that's not true. Just because it hadn't happened for them yet, they say, oh, that's not true. But so we see when we receive the Holy Ghost, you'll speak in tongues. And when you are to be baptized, it's in the name of Jesus Christ. So after that, we continue on in the way of holiness, continue on changing ourselves in the way that in the direction that God wants us to change. To continue to live a godly lifestyle. To learn how to forgive. Vanessa says, because of that, it is and was the most beautiful thing. It is a beautiful thing, the Holy Ghost. It's an amazing thing. It's called the gift of the Holy Ghost. And it's the most precious gift that anyone can ever receive. But we have people fighting it daily. But without the Holy Ghost, there it is impossible to have a true understanding of the scriptures. Without the Holy Ghost, we need it. But we also need the baptism because without the baptism, it's going to be impossible. Because God ordained that we do both. He said, go ye therefore and baptize. He told the 12 to go and do it. Well, the 11 at the time. So I hope that uh, makes sense, uh, Vanessa. I hope we cleared the questions up and we showed you the difference between getting baptized in Jesus' name versus other baptisms. Uh, because even though people may baptize you uh, fully underwater, that does not mean they baptize you in Jesus' name. Uh, Vanessa says, oh, how can I join this study? I'm not sure what, do you mean? what you're asking there. <laughs> Like, um, can you can you reword it, or rephrase it? I'm not sure exactly what you mean. Um, but we we do this every Thursday at six thirty p.m. Central Standard Time. I don't know what time zone you're in, but so um, you're definitely welcome to tune in every week. We're on here every week, six thirty. I mean, if something goes wrong, we may be a few minutes late, but usually we start on time. Usually start on time. <clears throat> um, but if you could ask your question in a different way. All right, okay. okay, you asked right. it. <laughs> All, right. All right. But yep, this is what num this is week number twenty seven, so we have like a lot of other videos <laughs> as well. Yep. And definitely don't hesitate to ask any questions that you have. Don't hesitate. Because um, we're willing to look through, we're willing to pause. Or, or, or if it's even anything that you're, you want to discuss, um, like next week, you can ask us ahead of time and we can uh, we'll form our whole yeah. topic around your question. 
Yeah. So um, we will even send out a reminder. She says, "Okay, I will look at them later." All right, great. So um, uh, she says, "Why the old videos? Um, if you just go to our Jordan Mist of the Storm Facebook page and just click on videos, they should all they should all be there. And also, I'm not sure if you're a fan of podcasts, but we have." We are available on every major podcast station like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Our Heart Radio. You can even Google Join the Mist of the Storm and it'll come up. That way, you know, you can listen to them anytime, anywhere. You don't have to be on Facebook. Um, so there's that. And the we, we always upload the audio versions of, of these videos right after or soon after we um, end the live video. So that they'll be it. And they're documented with all of the scriptures that we've covered and all of the questions that everybody has asked. So if there's a specific one that anybody wants to listen to, they can easily find it without having to sit through the whole thing if they didn't want to. Mm -hmm. So we, our goal is to, you know, bring out the true word of God to anybody who's willing to listen and make it as convenient as possible. And this is what we enjoy. A lot of people yes. may look at us like we're crazy. <laughs> But yes. we enjoy talking about God, and we definitely enjoy when people are interested in, in learning because those who are interested in learning are in the vast minority of people. But in this instance, it's, it's a great thing to be in the minority. It's a great thing. And um, also, if you're not following the Joy in the Midst of the Storm page, definitely give it a like. Uh, so that you can get um, notifications on your Facebook page. And also, um, if you just can't even find it from that means, all of the videos should be on both of our pages, uh, Tony Banks and Melvin Corners. All, yeah. all of the videos are on our pages. So if you just go to um, our video section, you should find it there. And I think there is a way that you can set it up to notify yourself whenever we go live I think there is a way I'll have to go look at it so as soon as we go live you'll get a notification I think it automatically does that uh, from all of your friends yeah. until you manually say stop notifying me yeah I think it automatically does it if your friends or if you like the page right and it's on Facebook at JMS Bible yep but also feel free if you guys have any questions like during the week or I mean it can be 12, 1 o'clock in the morning. It doesn't matter. Just feel free to reach out and ask questions because um, it's important. Necessary because I have been praying for this to have help in my walk with God. And we are more than definitely, more God than goodness. happy to help anybody who's, you know, willing to actually learn no matter what time. Like Tony has said, our inbox is always open. Mm -hmm. You don't have to wait until Thursday to get your question answered. Oh. oh, God bless you guys. Thank you guys definitely for asking questions, tuning in. Whoever, even if you haven't said anything this entire time, we thank you for tuning in. And those who will watch or hear it, we appreciate you dearly. Yes, definitely. Those, um, so as I'll say for our podcast listeners, um, definitely give the Facebook page a like. We can be found at JMS Bible. You can Google that and it'll, it'll be the, it should be the first result that comes up. 
and we record these episodes live every Thursday evening starting at 6.30 p.m. Central Standard Time. And we go on for however long as many people have questions. And um, All night if we got to. <laughs> for the Facebook listeners, um, as I've said earlier, we are on all major pla- podcast platforms if you want to listen to it there. Whether you're driving or in a workout or something, you can always just listen to it, the audio versions of these videos. So we try to make ourselves um, in a position to spread the word of God in many different ways. And if nobody else has any other questions, I think we can wrap it up right here. Yeah, it was a very good study. Thank you guys. Um, I would go down and thank each individual person who commented, <laughs> but it won't even let me scroll for whatever reason. But thank you for everyone who has commented. Thank you for everyone who has watched and yes. may not have said anything. We greatly appreciate you for sticking with us for this long. We're all about 10 minutes away from two hours right now, so I know a lot of people won't you know, want to listen to the Word of God for that long, but we greatly yeah. appreciate the ones who stick it out and listen. And um, we definitely hope to see you guys next Thursday on our live stream. So I hope that you guys have a blessed night and a blessed and safe weekend. There are a lot of tragic events happening right now, so we have yes. to stay prayed up. We have to keep our Bible. And Vanessa says, thank y'all. God bless. Thank, thank you. you for being interested. Thank, thank you, you thank for you. interacting with us. That's what we love. And even if we know there are people out there that are going to disagree with us because they, this may be foreign to them. Their church might not go to what they say. I know we tend to have the, the tendency to stick with what we grew up in or what our pastor, what our mom and dad said. So we know there are people out there. Even if you disagree with us, we appreciate the interaction and we encourage you to to um, kind of not argue now. But we encourage you to um, ask questions and We'll be more than happy to help you see it and go to the scripture. And we're not, like another preacher says, it's not just hot air. Mm-hmm. We want to make sure that everything we say is backed up 100% by the scripture. So whenever somebody asks questions, we like to go to the scripture, whereas we're not, and not just answering it from our mouth. So mm-hmm. definitely, again, thank you for listening. And thank you for well, those who watch it live or those who are going to watch it later. And even those who are going to wa- listen to it on the podcast, we greatly appreciate it. And we're about to wrap it up right here. Like I said, we'll be right here, same time, same place next Thursday at 6.30 Central Standard Time. And we we pray that you guys have a blessed evening and weekend. So thank you for watching.